we've been uh, having a, and I don't like to call it a Bible study, we've been having worship nights in our home since 2008. And it started very organically. It just started by, um, we had gone through a tragedy with a loss of a child, and, and people just started coming to our home. And we started worshiping. And it's been going on since 2008. We've had men and women coming through our home. And so we want to kind of just do on what we do on Tuesday nights here on Sunday mornings. And often on Tuesday nights, the worship, the singing part, which it's all worship, right? But the singing part often is background to people moving around and speaking words over each other and asking for prayer and, and engaging one another and getting, because we talk about it in our house all the time, that Hebrew says the reason why we gather, the purpose of gathering is not to consume, it's not to be filled up necessarily, those can be byproducts. The purpose of gathering is that so when you gather that you would be stirred up towards love and good deeds. That we would gather together and stir each other up towards love and good deeds. That we would encourage each other. That word encourage means give courage to each other all the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. So that's the purpose of our gathering. Is to encourage one another and to stir each other up towards love and good deeds. So that when we leave this place, we just haven't had our ears tickled. We just haven't had things itched or scratched. We've engaged each other. We've engaged the Father and we leave changed to go out, to give our lives away. So that's what we want to do today. We want to be about that. We are in a series called Interwoven, what our culture is to look like, what we want our culture to look like here at Restoration. And so today I've been tasked with talking about humility. And I want to read the passage that I've been tasked with talking about. It's one of the most famous passages in Philippians. Philippians has a lot of really, really famous passages. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection, right? Um, consider, uh, excuse me, um, uh, what's, what's the one that we put on a banner all the time that football teams run through, right? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength as if it's about winning a game, right? But, but we have these great verses in Philippians, and this is kind of the core of all of Philippians. It is this, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, any, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Other versions say to be grasped. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by coming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, I love that, therefore. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place, and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, other verses say, acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Amen? So humility. What is humility? If we're going to have a culture that is defined by humility or interwoven the fabric of who we are as a culture, that humility is what marks us. What is humility? 
It was written about Moses in Numbers 12 that he was very humble, the most humble man on all the earth. Trey Foster, who wrote Numbers? Moses. What if I stood before you and said, I am the most humble man in all the earth? Would that feel humble? Does it feel humble that Moses said he was very humble? Matter of fact, he was the most humble man on all the earth. And yet, what if that was the most humble statement that he could have ever made? John wrote in the Gospels that he was the disciple that Jesus loved. How about that one? I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. Out of all the 12, I'm the one that he loves. Is that humble? Maybe it's the most humble thing he could say. John the Baptist said, I must decrease so that he would increase. And he pointed all his followers. It was the worst growth of a ministry ever. Go, follow him. Look, behold the Lamb of the, the, Lamb of the world, or behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Go, follow him. I could tell you from Scripture, and we could look and break this down verse by verse, line by line. We could break it down, and I could tell you that humility is being so unaware of self that we're completely self-aware. I could tell you that, that Adam and Eve were in the garden naked. They were unafraid. They were unashamed. They were guilt-free. They were completely naked. They were so unaware of themselves that they were completely self-aware, and that's humility. I could tell you that humility, as we just read there in Philippians 2, is a daily choice. Jesus humbled himself to death, even death on a cross. It's a daily choice. I could tell you that humility knows who you are and knows who you are not. Take any football team. If you're a Austin Kirtner, what was your position in football? Cornerback. Does the cornerback run and try to be the quarterback? No, he does not. Is that what you said, your cornerback? I can't hear you. What'd you say? Linebacker. Does the linebacker go try to be quarterback? No. If he does, he knows who he is, and he knows who he is not. I could tell you that humility is not threatened by the gifts and strengths of others, but, the, but, but applauds them. Humility doesn't try to be the biggest personality in the room, but applauds other personalities because they're so content and, and confident with who they are. I could tell you that humility listens more than it speaks. I could tell you that humility is gutsy and tenacious. I could tell you that humility is fearless because the fear of failure or rejection or getting it wrong is outweighed by the confidence of being exactly who you are. See, this is the definition of humility that I live by, that I've derived from Scripture through all the different places that I've looked at. This is the definition of humility that I think we should live by, that I personally live by, and I've taken it from Scripture. To me, humility is knowing who you are and whose you are and being that without apology, with complete boldness and total confidence, but without arrogance. 
Let me say that again. My definition is humility is being exactly who you are and whose you are with, without apology, with complete boldness, with total confidence, but without arrogance. That's humility. You see, humility understands that we're under God and as such, we're royalty and as such, we are his glory. And so then, unapologetically, when we walk in humility, we walk out of this room, we walk out of our closet with the Lord, we walk out of our home saying, I, my mission today is let, to let the world feel the weight of my glory. Fearlessly, boldly, unapologetically, but without arrogance. Here's the dilemma, though. Here's the dilemma. And this is quoted, I'm quoting someone from long time ago, long dead. Humility is more caught than taught. Humility is more caught than taught. You see, most aspects of kingdom living, kingdom culture, a kingdom of honor, humility can't be taught in books or sermons. It must rub off on us. We must catch it. A disciple meant to, it was the word methedes, it meant to be pressed up on, to live side by side with. Wherever Jesus went, that person went. Wherever Jesus laid down, they laid down. Wherever Jesus walked, they walked. He didn't ask them to go anywhere that he didn't go. He didn't ask them to do anything that he didn't do. It's to be pressed up on like a three-legged race, to, be, to rub off. Then you start to smell like, act like, look like, breathe like. Humility, kingdom living, kingdom culture, to be interwoven, it's got to be caught. It cannot be taught. There's nothing wrong with me standing up and encouraging. There's nothing wrong with me teaching from Scripture. We should do that. There's nothing wrong with any of those things, but it's got to be caught more than it is taught. In my life, and I think it's probably true in yours, it seems the more I think about not sinning, the more I do so. You know what I mean by that? The more I think about not sinning, the more I do so, but the more I think about Jesus and just falling in love with him, the less I seem to sin. Falling in love with Jesus seems to be the key. And I think that is true with humility. That falling in love with Jesus, being humble, comes from being caught that rubbing off of us, rubbing off on us as we're falling in love with Jesus. I said that Moses, it was written of him that he was the most humble man in all the earth and he wrote that. Well, the life of Moses was marked by a man who made the mark of his life that he was known by the Lord face to face. He would meet with God like a man meets with a friend repeatedly throughout Scripture in, in Numbers 12 where it said that he was the most humble man in all the earth. He said to Miriam and Aaron, I don't speak to Moses like I speak to other prophets. I speak to Moses mouth to mouth, face to face. So there are no riddles. He hears me clearly because I know him like a man meets with a friend, face to face. So humility rubbed off. And in Exodus 33, we see this really amazing story where Moses is kind of raising his fist at God. 
And he's like, listen, God, you've given me this stiff-necked people. You've given these six million Jews out in the wilderness, and they grumble, and they constantly wanted to go back to Egypt where there's pots and pots of meat. They're constantly grumbling about what you've brought me out here for and why they're here. And Lord, if I'm going to lead these people, he says, if I'm going to lead these people, you've told me I have your favor. You've told me that you're with me. If I'm going to lead these people, I've got to have more. God, I've got to have more. And God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. And then Moses does this really gutsy, gutsy, humble thing. And he says, okay, Lord, if your presence is gonna go with me, then I've got to see your glory. I gotta see it. And I say all the time that holiness and glory are different. Holiness is the intrinsic nature or value or the intrinsic thing that is true about something and glory is that on display. Meaning holiness is like Clark Kent and glory is like Superman. The, the manifestation. And we are the glory of God on this earth. And Moses says, I want to see your glory. I want to see on display. I want to see the fireworks. I want to see the bigness. I want to see the grandeur. If I've got to go do this thing, God, I got to see your glory. And God says, okay. I will answer your request. I will pass before you. And we see the first time in, in Scripture from Moses' life, in Exodus 34, where when God passes before Moses, he falls face down and he begins to worship. It's the first place in Scripture where we see Moses worship. And the rest of Moses' life was marked by worship. Whenever a thing would come up, whenever a crisis would come up, whenever they would get to a situation, whenever stuff would arise, it would say that Moses would fall face down and he would worship. Which leads me to this. See, I think worship, worship is what brings and births humility. And I don't mean just worship by singing I mean worship in our prayer closets. I mean worship in prayer. I mean worship in our cars. I mean worship by communion. I mean worship by shouting and declaring. I mean worship by whatever mood or place or posture gets us into a position where our face is completely fixed and we are undone and we are uninhibited and we are no longer ruled by fear. We're ruled by faith and we're standing in a posture with literal or symbolic hands raised, face to the ground. See, worship, letting go of self, fearlessness, lack of inhibition, then humility starts to rub off. Humility, being exactly who you are and whose you are, with total confidence, with boldness, without apology, but without arrogance, starts to rub off and we start to catch it. We start to go live it. So today, I don't want to teach so much about humility. I want us to catch it. The band is going to come up, and we're going to act like it's Tuesday night in the Massey household. This is our living room. And throughout this time, whether we go the next 20 minutes or 30 minutes, if you want to stand in the back, if you want to come up here and lay on your face, if you want to move around and pray for people, if you live in this moment, just in this moment of 20, 30 minutes, without a vision on self, 
without a vision on my sin, how wrong I am. Come on, can we get some southern voice? I'm Lord, I sinned. We think it's so holy to come before the Lord and grovel on our bellies and go, I'm a sinner, Lord, I'm dirty. And the Lord's like, no, you're not. You're mine. I've cleansed you. I've washed you. I've redeemed you. I've rescued you. I've seated you with me in heavenly places. I've given you a brand new name. I've called you a brand new creation. I've made you alive in Christ Jesus. You were all those things. You were dead in Christ. You were dead before me. You were dead in your transgressions. You were following the course of the world and the prince of the air, but God. That word but means everything before is irrelevant because of what comes directly after. But God. Being so rich in mercy, he's made you alive. He seated you with him in heavenly places. He saved you by grace through faith so that you cannot boast. And he did it all just to show you his kindness. Wow. And then he takes it a step further and he says, you're my workmanship. You're my poema. You're my work of art to go do good works. That is humility, ladies and gentlemen. That's what it is to walk in humility. To stand in the authority, the power, the grace, the mercy, the rescuing that you've been given in Christ Jesus and not wallowing and groveling, but standing with hands lifted and going, oh my God, you are my God and you've set me free to go be that workmanship. So today, let's do that. Be fearless in worship. If you want prayer from somebody, go get it. If you want to go speak a word over somebody, go give it. If you want a word from somebody, go ask for it. If you have a word for this whole body, that's scary. I know it's scary that someone could grab the mic and start talking for 30 minutes and maybe I got to get the shepherd's crook. I don't know. But I'd rather us live in a boldness to give each other, to stir each other up towards love and good deeds. I'd rather live in us, let us live in a confidence of being who we are and whose we are than just play in church this morning. Let's not play church today. Let's be the church to each other. We got a smaller crowd. If you want to gather around the piano, gather around the piano. Let's stop sitting in our pews and sitting safely. You and I are the glory of God. When we look at his face with unveiled face, Corinthians says, we're reflectors and we're being transformed from glory to glory. And our faces, like Moses, radiate the Shekinah glory. Woo! Will you stand with me? And after we pray, they're going to just sing some songs. And like I said, be free. Move around. But I just want you to take a moment. Lay hands on those around you and just ask for the power of God, His presence, His anointing. Just ask for God to move in this place. Be bold with each other. Lay hands on your wife. Lay hands on your husband. Lay hands on your family. Let's just lay hands on each other and ask for his move. Father, we lift our hands to you either symbolically or literally. We ask, we know you're here. We don't have to beg for your presence. We're asking God that you move in this place. We're asking God that we have an encounter with you in this place. We're asking Lord Jesus that you flow and move 
Come have your way and have your being. Release your presence in this place, God. We don't want to have a religious encounter. We want to have a spiritual move of God where we meet with you face to face and we are transformed from one degree of glory to the next. Release your kids, God, into a greater anointing, a greater authority, a greater power that we'd be stirred up towards love and good deeds, God. We say yes to your presence. We say yes to your power. We say yes to your anointing. We say yes to what you want to do today. Come, Lord, and speak.